Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast. This is episode number 247. 247 weeks in a row you've been graced by our presence. I'm Ben and with me here today is Dave all the way from Toronto, Canada. Dave, hello. How are you? I'm good. I just felt a little remorseful because uh, you said 247 and uh, yeah. I literally wasn't here last week. So uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't be part of that streak, unfortunately, but it is what it is. I'm happy to be here this week. What streak? You haven't been here for 247 episodes. I know, but just the way you kind of worded it and the way my brain processed it is like, wouldn't it be cool if like you were there every single week and you could say that like an Iron Man streak? I know you can, Ben. <laughs> I'm the only one who can. And Brandon's yes. probably pretty close, but I literally, I'm pretty close. I literally yeah. am coming off a, a streak breaker. So, yeah. I think for like the first, by the way, Brandon, hello. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. What's going on? The most glorious ginger. I think for like the first 20 episodes, Brandon and Phil were on, but they alternated. Because something was weird with Brandon's work schedule or something. But I think he's been here pretty much since then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're here. We're not we're not here to, to brag about who has been here the most, even though it's me. Uh, or to <laughs> shame anyone who has been here the least, even though it's Dave. Like, we're not here to do that. Um, but it no, is we would never, I guess. Yeah, yeah we would never. Dave, you asked us right before the show started if we could hear your baby crying, and we cannot. But I would like to know, um, is there anyone with your baby while they're crying? No. No, she's okay. fine. Just, the babies are just, they're kind of like slightly angry, like succulents. Like you just kind of need to yeah. water them like twice a week. Mm -hmm. Just kind of look at them every now and then, make sure they're good. So right. I'm kidding. She's with her mother upstairs. But, <laughs> so this is the first time like she's been crying while I've been downstairs recording. So it was kind of a sound check thing because this yeah. is the closest she'll ever be and the loudest she'll ever be. So if you can't hear her, are you sure it's the loudest she'll ever be? Maybe she'll get louder. I mean, in the short term, it's the loudest. You're right. I mean, it's 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 a good test uh, under current circumstances. So yeah, we're good. Well, so you have the baby who sometimes cries, and you're like, oh, I don't know if the audience can hear this or not. I have the train that goes by, and I'm like, I don't know if the audience can hear this or not. So it's basically the same thing, really. Fair enough. Yeah. If you think trains and it. babies. Yeah, Brandon, I'm, I'm enjoying some delicious. Um, Pepsi from Jersey Mike's. Dude, I don't, I don't know that the Pepsi is any different at Jersey Mike's. 
You got some tea in there, I think. Was that this planned? is the unplugged. Is that planned? We ate. Well, we, did, uh, we we went out to eat together. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah. get an invite. Yeah, we went to uh, the good old Jersey Michaels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got a I got a gullet full of uh, bread and meat today. They call it the Giant, which is kind of I was talking to Ben about this. The large one is called the Giant. It kind of made me feel bad. It's also insanely expensive. It was like eighteen dollars for essentially a foot long hoagie. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. It's not too bad. It's expensive. Um, but it's not bad. Uh, I was trying to figure out what Michael's special sauce was, but um, I think that's kind of a, a they tra- don't want you to know a trade secret. And yeah. Ben, Ben, Ben actually made a keen observation when we were walking in. Multiple times when we've been there, um, an employee that is not on shift has been coming in to get food. For while, me, it's literally every time I've ever been there, while, which is like four or five times. While but. not on shift. Yeah. Um, I started devising a bit of a plot that, um, you know, Michael is a part of some sort of call that maybe his secret sauce is what gets you in. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really vetted all of it yet, but yeah. we were kind of thinking about it. So, well, if you get too close, they're just going to, and you're going to be done. <sighs> I know, well, man. Can I just ask a question? Because last time we were in Boston together, uh, I'd never heard of the chain called Jimmy John's. Yeah. Oh, and, my God. Uh, it was unequivocally uh, hated by the entire group, but we never went and no. I hadn't heard of it, it before. Except for Phil. So I think the reason we didn't go is because the year before that, our um, our dearly departed friend, Phil, who's not really dead, by the way, that's a joke if you're new, um, but Phil was insistent <laughs> we all go to Jimmy joke. John's. <laughs> and we were like, we don't want to go. Dude, Jimmy John's like, is so mid. I, don't, I, I, I literally don't care. It was like, it's the best. And we went, we were all like, it's mid. You won't make my sandwich hot. And they're like, no, this is a cold sandwich. We're like, what? Mid. Mid. Yeah. And their sandwiches are just fine. And they're like 14 or $15. And that was five years ago. Oof. So so Jersey yeah. Mike's, Jimmy John's, no question. Jersey Mike's. No, if I have the choice, it's definitely Jersey Mike's. But if I'm, yeah, but it's like five or $10 more, it feels like. Interesting. Yeah. The battle of the, yeah. uh, the, the, the sandwich shops with two first names as their name. I know. Yeah. yeah. You can't trust either of them. Like, you know, you could say a lot of bad things about Subway, but at least Subway doesn't have two first names. Yeah. Yeah. But they did have Jared, which <laughs> not, we, all, listen, we all know what happened there. You know, yeah. When a man holds up pans that many times, you know there's something wrong with him. <laughs> yeah. We've been known for years. No one checked those pockets. <laughs> we should have known for years, boys. He was like, look how big my pants are. I can hide two full children in here. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I, I mean, that's kind of what he was saying. Her leg. I, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and we just let it happen. Subway just let it happen. So I didn't let that shit happen. Don't put yeah. that on me. Subway's awful now, though. Um, yeah. They so have bad. these, like, signature subs that which are just way too complicated and I can't go in there without spending $30 for some reason. And yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's gone bad. Hoagies are outrageously expensive for, you can call them hoagies. They're fucking sandwiches, man. (laughs) It's bread and cheese, my man. You know, let's not get carried away. I can go for a good hoagie, but what I was getting at when I was showing off the not sponsored Jersey Mike's cup full of Pepsi uh, is that I went and I don't particularly love diet Pepsi. It's fine. But if I have the choice between the two, I'm going to pick Pepsi. Yeah. But normally, like when I'm drinking, if I drink soda, normally I drink the zero variety or the or whatever of whatever soda I'm drinking. But they didn't have that. They only had the diet. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for the Pepsi. It's probably been a year since I've had like a full blooded Pepsi or Coke. And there's just something about Pepsi 
real Pepsi, not the not the fake, not the zero, not the diet, whatever. Real Pepsi out of the fountain drink that just hits like nothing else, you know? There is I think it's all the sugar hitting me at once. Yeah, mm-hmm. most likely. The fountains, there is a little something to the fountains, though. Like yeah. soda enthusiasts, the fountains do it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's the syrup ratio. There is there yeah. is a, there is one level above fountain pop, fountain soda, if you will, is oh, a, yeah. a cold Coke in a uh, glass bottle. Yeah. That's oh, the truth yeah. right there. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Well, this is the HP Podcast. We're a show all about fountain <laughs> drinks, cults at Jersey Mike's, and video games sometimes when we feel like it. Uh, if you want to help support us, you can go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. You can support us there for as little as a dollar a month. If you're on the audio feed, you get the show ad free and early a day early ish. And then um, if you're watching us on video and you still want to help support us, we got bills to pay whether you're watching or listening either way. So we'd appreciate that for as little as a dollar a month. uh, You can help support us. We appreciate that a lot. And then also uh, if you want to just hang out with us over on the discord, you can go over to handsomephantom.com slash discord. We really appreciate that. We hang out. We have a good time. We talk about video games and feet sometimes for some reason <laughs> don't bring it um, up please that's a thing that happens there's so much lore to this show that i can't even begin I to know get into. dude with, with this many episodes there has to be that's right we could put together a wiki by now i know <laughs> yeah get on that um poot or somebody fextra um yeah <laughs> get on that fextra um let's see here I want to go to a couple chats if you aren't aware we do uh live streams every tuesday night at 7 p.m to do the show. We appreciate all of you who come out. Uh, Edward Walton says, there we go. We got feed. Hello, Edward. Welcome on in. Uh, A couple other comments here. This is nice. Finishing off a few days of work with a nice curry and the beautiful boys. We appreciate that, Tom. Uh, Jimmy Dean, man, as he always does, as they always do, uh, comes in and says, bruh, at the beginning of the show. (laughs) It's a staple. (laughs) Happens every week. And then why you should play great podcast. I've been a guest on there before. Why you should play. Check them out. So this Jersey Mike's is pretty good. I think, I think that's an endorsement, but it also could be seen as a, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty like, good. They're not. Yeah. They're just pretty good. Beautiful boys, uh, which I don't think I've said in a very long time, but since the comment said it, I did. Let's get into the news. Let's talk about number one. Microsoft has successfully completed its colossal $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, marking the most significant push into the gaming industry to date. The deal faced lengthy regulatory battles in the UK and the United States, with the company ultimately overcoming the FTC in a U.S. federal court. In the UK, the Competition of Markets Authority, or the CMA, initially opposed the acquisition over cloud gaming concerns, but later worked with Microsoft to agree on a remedy. With the deal now concluded, Microsoft plans to integrate Activision Blizzard's games into its Xbox Game Pass eventually, a subscription service that provides access to a library of games. This acquisition significantly expands Microsoft's portfolio of game studios, adding more than nine studios from the Blizzard side alone. Additionally, Microsoft game studios across over 11 locations in the mobile gaming company King. The addition of Activision Blizzard's over 8,500 employees makes Microsoft a publishing powerhouse in the gaming industry. Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, will continue to aid in the transition, and this is new, until the end of 2023. It's worth noting that this deal's con- after this that that this deal's conclusion comes after a 20-month regulatory battle with the FTC, still expressing concerns about competition and vowing to continue its appeal even after the deal has been closed. 
Boys, uh, it's over. We've been talking about this for almost two years, I think, at this point. Damn. It's done. I mean, maybe if the FTC has their way, they'll break up something else. But Dave, you weren't here last week. We talked a little bit about the Microsoft Activision stuff. But now that it's done, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? What does this mean for the future, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, just first off, uh, Brandon is fist pumping there, and I assume he's he's fist pumping because uh, not because Crash Bandicoot is coming to Xbox Game Pass permanently, <laughs> but because he's happy it's finally over. We finally. talked about streaks uh, right off the top, so hopefully this will end the streak of talking about this stupid acquisition every week. But uh, yeah, it's it. I, I I saw the news break this weekend, and uh, as as annoyed as I was at this topic, it was kind of an interesting moment, like seeing like, wow, it finally happened, and uh, you know, this is this is going to be a cornerstone moment for the industry for years to come. Um, so it's you know, if you're interested in in video games and the industry as a whole, it's a kind of a where where were you when moment. Um, so yeah, that's another thing we've kind of talked about a little bit in the past is, is as crazy as it may seem, but I still think the mobile piece may actually be the most valuable part of this deal, um, both short and long-term. I could be wrong, but you know, we spend a lot of time talking about console gaming here. It could be easy to lose sight of the fact that the King stuff is big, like it's really big and, um, that like mobile market is so massive compared to, you know, when we're talking about caught and stuff like that but uh in terms of what we're interested in i am curious to see what the short-term um sort of changes are going to be from a game pass perspective are we going to see cod 2024 day one on game pass um modern warfare 3 diablo 3 other sort of recent big launches that are affected by this will we see those on game pass by march or something like that um, but yeah, it's kind of going to be interesting to see how this changes the, the game pass landscape. But at the end of the day, um, from here on out, any unit that is sold of any of these big franchises is going to line Microsoft's pockets because they own the company now. Um, so it would almost be in Microsoft's best interest to kind of keep these big franchises and keep these massive IPs, um, you know, as accessible to as many gamers as possible for as long as possible. Cause we know in a three horse race, Microsoft has been third for a long, long time. So as long as the install base of consoles kind of rests with Sony and Nintendo, you know, make these games multi-platform as long as possible. But I do want to see what this is going to do to the value of, uh, you know, game pass for myself as a gamer. Cause as you guys know, I kind of jump on and off and I like to stay on. And if, you know, Activision and Blizzard games are on there permanently, then that could be a big selling point for me. So yeah, big day, big day. Uh, Brandon, I think it was uh, after I wrote up these notes that uh, Phil Spencer was doing an interview or there was a podcast or something that came out and he said, no, don't expect to see Activision games on Game Pass probably until, you know, 2024 would be the right number for that. So again, we don't know when that means, but I'm wondering like, is there going to be a difference? Remember when Beth- when they brought Bethesda on, they were just like, here's all the Bethesda games on Game Pass. And I feel like people played the ones they wanted to play and then dipped. But I wonder if it's going to be more of a slow trickle in to try to get people to stay on longer. Now that, I mean, it is a much bigger deal as well. And there's many more games to pull from, but right. I don't know. What do you think? No, yeah, this is certainly interesting. And I didn't hear the tidbit about Phil Spencer. Um, but I I saw some some stuff floating around Twitter that was speculating that it would be 
this year at some time. And I guess it feels uh, straight up coming out and saying that it's not going to be until next year. I mean, who better to say that than him? So, yeah. well, um, and in fairness, he has said like things before that, you know, weren't true. That right. That changed. So, so I'm hearing a little back and forth. I guess we'll see. I don't see any reason why they would need to wait. Um, maybe not to potentially take eyes off of the other things they have going on this year. Maybe you don't want to drop all the call of duties on game pass when you're trying to push last year's cash grab. Um, but yeah, this is definitely good. I mean, I'm finally, <laughs> Dave was exactly right. He hit it on the head. I'm really excited to finally, uh, be coming to an end with this topic. Not because I don't like talking about it. It certainly is interesting. Every time we do, it just felt like the story that never ended. Um, and whether or not it's a good thing is another discussion altogether, but um, glad to see that they finally made some headway here. Uh, don't love the idea of Bobby continuing to be on. I guess um, Phil actually personally asked him, I think is what I saw, to stay on to the end of the year. Um, I will never pass off an opportunity to talk shit about that man. Um, I don't like Bobby at all. Um, I think he is uh, the epitome of corporate um uh, corporate henchman. Um, he is like the caricature uh, for the for the corporate being. So um, this is good. I would love to see Game Pass uh, have the Activision games this year, but if it's not till next year, it won't be that big of a deal. But I wouldn't be surprised if they trickled it in. Um, it was kind of shocking to me that they just gave us everything at once for the Bethesda. Um, I don't necessarily see the harm in that. But if I had to guess, they would want to capitalize as much as they possibly could, uh, you know, especially knowing Activision. Um, they paid a lot of money for this. So, you know, you still have microtransactions running in all of these COD games, I'm sure, or a lot of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we see a slower rollout. Uh, and certainly, as you said, Ben, the, the library is much um, more substantial, um, not to undermine Bethesda's library by any means. Um, but Activision is certainly a giant uh, that got consumed by another giant. So, yeah. Do you think, um, well, I wanted to comment on the Bobby Kotick thing. And I think the guy himself is probably, by all accounts, I've never met him, don't know anything personally, but by all accounts, a scumbag. No doubt he's a good businessman from the financial stakeholder perspective um, based on what he's done with the company over the last, you know, couple decades. But I imagine there's a lot more that goes into tr to transferring a CEO's responsibilities to another person. Right. So I can understand them asking him to stay on. Also, I would imagine that was part of their, his contract um, that he would, uh, he would stay on both from a, I want to stay on long enough to get my money. And also from a, we need you to stay on so you can give us the, all the, the buried treasure and <laughs> the buried bodies as well. Um, so <laughs> I understand bodies. Uh, I initially saw that he might stay on longer, but then they came out and said till the end of this year, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And we know that he's just one of the many factors uh, yeah. at that company. But I think we've, man, we've seen a lot of like, not so great stuff come out of the, the heads at Activision and Blizzard both. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ben, he has to serve out his last two months. I mean, he has to make his combined wage of, you know, $250,000 uh, per day for the next two months. That's right. So has to finish that out right outright. So, Dave, what do you think about uh, the revival of old franchises, as we've heard some rumors of? Um, I mean... There's a lot to pick from, and uh, I think 
having it's always good to have a nice back catalog on these subscription services of of because it's you know it's so hard to find these games now um so yeah i think it's it's a nice way to kind of immediately show value immediately show subscribers of game pass um you know what this will mean for them as as loyal microsoft customers so i think that's an easy win it's low-hanging fruit and it's something you can kind of quickly do um so yeah, I mean whether it's just remasters or or you know they're just releasing old games on on Game Pass or if they're going to be full on remakes, it's uh, there's a lot to choose from with uh, with these developer or these publishers. So yeah, it's uh, it should be fun. It should be fun. it's a good time to be uh, a Microsoft fanboy if you are one. But uh, just keep it quiet on social media. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, shut up about it if you're going to be a fanboy. Ben. Well, Brandon, I I think it's. Uh, as far as the, the idea of revivals and stuff, yeah, I feel like, yeah, Microsoft's taken over and there's they're going to own them and they're going to be a little more hands-on, you know, obviously. But if a company like Activision that knows how to turn money wasn't reviving old series and bringing back old games and stuff like that, it was because they didn't think they could make money. And I don't imagine Microsoft's going to be like, that's fine. Go ahead and do it, even because the fans want it. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I was just thinking about a game like Diablo 4, right? We have numbers that are completely in the shitters, like comparatively, comparatively. And even by some other metrics, I mean, the numbers are bad um, for, for a game like Diablo 4 nowadays. And I just imagine what having that sort of game on Game Pass would do especially with how heavily monetized this sort of thing is. I feel like this is a win-win-win, um, especially for something like that. Like, I was thinking about Diablo, and I was thinking about Modern Warfare 3, and, you know, I'm like, would it make sense for them to put this day one? I'm, now, I'm just speculating, but I'm thinking, like, like next year, when the next one comes out, what, what are they going to do? You know, because I would imagine they would want to capitalize. We always see the numbers year over year. It seems like the Call of Duty numbers. For people that are willing to pay full price, keep going up. If Modern Warfare um, 2020 was any indication, I mean, the numbers were insane. I mean, we were seeing how many they were selling. Even for Diablo 4, it's like, do they put it on Game Pass right away? Or do they try and suck up as much as they possibly can? And then when they start seeing diminishing returns, then they drop it. I don't know which one's better because either way, I mean, if you get it in more people's hands on Game Pass, the likelihood that they're going to want to, you know, use microtransactions probably pretty high. I don't know what the metric is. I certainly don't do microtransactions, but I know I'm in the minority and I think you guys are in the minority as well. Um, So it's certainly an interesting position to be in. And I'm really interested to see how they handle this moving forward because next year, I mean, next year is going to be uncharted waters as far as Activision goes, because if I would had to guess they, they're strategically planning this now um, because they are one of um, the most fiscal uh, companies out there, for better or worse. I mean, it's one of their worst qualities. Um, but yeah, I think it's so there may be some. I don't know, things to work around because PlayStation technically signed a contract for the marketing rights through next year, I think it was. And um i'm pretty sure but not positive that that contract probably states that it can't be on a subscription service while they have the marketing rights um unless it's approved by them so microsoft may shell out some cash for that i don't know but they are probably going it's going to be interesting because i think they're going to have to drop it whenever they're legally permitted to 
on Game Pass day one because they made a statement a while back, like many times actually, uh, in the past that all Microsoft first party games come to Game Pass day one. So that will include Call of Duty. Uh, and I don't really see a way they can market their way out of that. Uh, yeah. Of course, like I said, in the in the near term, maybe that's because of contractual obligations, and that's understandable. Deathloop was an example uh, of something that couldn't come day one to Game Pass because, or even to Xbox because it was already under contract. So there's some precedent there, but it did eventually come. As soon as it was on Xbox, it was also on Game Pass. So I think eventually we'll see it. It'll have to drop on Game Pass, but matter of when and how and what's included. I, I also saw that Phil said today um, there would be parity. He, he reaffirmed that even after the deal was closed. Yeah, there will be parity. Everything will have it at the same time, at the same you know level, whatever. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be and interesting. You know what I just thought about Call of Duty-wise? And now, mind you, just another hypothetical. I could see a situation where... and Because um, Game Pass does this with... Uh, Infinite is the infinite campaign. Is that on Game Pass? I don't think it is. Is it? Yeah, the infinite campaigns on Game the Pass. Multiplayer is it, free. The multiplayer is free. Everywhere, oh, that's though. right. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine a world where Activision um, only makes the multiplayer available in Game Pass. I can't see it because it's still a you game. You don't see that? It's a it's a release. It's a first party release. It has to be on. Game I look Pass. at. I look They're at. Live up to their marketing. I look at the amount of of like the investment that Starfield was to make. And the fact that that was day one game pass makes me think that the long-term strategy is make game pass the best service available in gaming. So I think there is an opportunity to kind of diversify somewhat, but at the end of the day, I think we're going to see the majority of the substantial big Activision blizzard titles that we're used to seeing day one on game pass. That's my hope anyways. Cause like, I don't know. It's 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 such a higher value proposition. Like, do you want to pay ninety dollars to play this on PlayStation, or do you want to pay you know twelve dollars to play play it on on Xbox and have access to all these other games? So, yeah, I just I don't see how they couldn't do that. And the other thing is, is like Microsoft has had such a hard time churning out regular first party releases um, over the past five years, and I think this allows them to really sort of flesh out their release calendar. So you know, we're not relying on Halo and Forza. Um, you know, we're going to have the Call of Duties and we're going to have the Blizzard releases and then we're going to have the traditional first party titles as they come. And then you're going to get to the point where Sony's at, where it's like four substantial releases a year. And I think those all need to be on Game Pass to be competitive because PS Plus is getting better every single day. So, yeah. In chat, we have a a message from why you should play. And of course, I'm repeating this because this is from chat. This is not from me ever having seen any contracts. Uh, but this is from chat. It says for P- for PlayStation, there'd frequently be verbiage in contracts that says something to the effect of cannot appear on the subscription service of any competing platform on any competing platform. Um, and yes, that is um, that is what I was getting at earlier is that they, they commonly have that language in there. Uh, they also said that all base first party will be in Game Pass, but DLC will still have to be bought. If you're a Game Pass subscriber, it's a 10 percent discount. For instance, I don't think World of Warcraft will be in Game Pass, which I would agree with. I think think it's coming. Maybe (laughs) you'll get the base in there. Um, Or if anything, they'll say, you know, Game Pass subscribers get free 12 months to World of Warcraft. Something crazy, you know, but I don't think that it will be just a a free game by any means. You can already play Warcraft up until a certain point because I did it for free. Yeah. So, 
You know, that's yeah, already available. Level 20. I don't yeah. know. They change it all the time. And they're bleeding numbers from what I understand, too. Yeah. So we'll they, see. they had to at some point. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. I Agreed. just noticed your little subtitle there. Should it be Microsoft Microvision or Actisoft or something? Uh, no, Dude. it's still Microsoft. It's, it's Microsoft plus Activision equals Microsoft. They're Dude. now the same. Okay. Dude, that, <laughs> that, that's whenever your boy is getting tickled and he likes it. Acted soft. <laughs> that's, that's what here let's let's change it uh equals act and soft we'll, we'll change it here dude, you're, dude, you're you're straight up act and soft man here we go microsoft and activision <laughs> equals act i don't know oh i love oh, it dude i love it there's the guys title. there's so much to say here so much more to speculate on but we don't really know a whole lot else anything else to discuss about the act 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 and soft acquisition can we go can we go uh, can we agree to go a month without talking about this even if like even no. if the deal falls through tomorrow can we not talk about it next week please? i don't think we can do that i mean yeah. we could do that but we do have listeners i know it does on youtube it doesn't look like it but we do have audio listeners that care you know what we say so fair enough, fair enough. yeah now we gotta we gotta appease the the masses. All right, let's move on to number two. Somewhat related, but not really. Bethesda has officially announced the retirement of Pete Hines, a key executive who spent nearly 25 years with the company. Known for his prominent role at Bethesda, Hines shared the news on social media, expressing his intent to explore new interests and engage in charitable work. Hines, who held various significant roles at Bethesda since 1999, played an instrumental part in the company's journey. He publicly supported Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax Studios, the parent company of Bethesda. During the recent Microsoft versus the Federal Trade Commission trial concerning the Activision Blizzard merger, he also testified and highlighted differences in approach between Xboxes and Bethesda's games. Hines was often a public voice for the studio and played a role in addressing issues like game launches. His retirement coincides with Bethesda's achievement of releasing Starfield, the first new intellectual property from the studio in 25 years, and also with the conclusion of the Activision acquisition to become Acton soft instead of Microsoft. <laughs> um, I, I kind of wanted to talk about this because P Hines has literally been a staple in the industry yeah. as long as I can remember really cognitively knowing who people who made video games were. And I remember there was a time probably back about 2009, 2010 where I sent, I was on uh, LinkedIn. I don't know why, but I was on LinkedIn and I sent P Hines um, a like connection request or whatever. And he responded to me and was like, Hey, good to see somebody, you know, who's making content on LinkedIn as well. And like, as I was, I had a website at that time and he was like very nice and very cordial. And like, it, I never really talked to him after that. I've seen him at, I've seen him from a distance at things and obviously on stage numerous times, but uh, I thought that was a nice gesture, but he's always just been like a little rough around the edges. Sometimes he can kind of go after fans who are being a little snarky on Twitter or whatever. But for the most part, he's always just been a very likable guy. And I don't know. I just wanted to, you know, Kind of mention it. Wish him luck. Brandon, any any thoughts about Pete Hines and what that... I think the timing is a little uh, a little yeah, fortuitous here. That's but. what I was just going to say. I mean, you really can't argue that 1999, I mean, the man has put in his time, um, mm. you know, and then some. Um, we don't often see people of this caliber stay in these sort of roles for this long. Um, so congratulations to him. And I'm hopeful that he'll find something that's more fulfilling for him at this point in his career. I mean, maybe um, retiring too. He's that's twenty five years, right? But basically, yeah. So yeah, maybe he's just gonna. I'm sure he's been paid well. Maybe he's just taking yeah. his money and yeah, going hang out on his yacht. Honestly, that's, he, he he's probably better for it. But um, yeah, I 
I don't have much to say about this other than I think it is incredibly noteworthy that uh, almost the timing of this now it could be pure coincidence. Like Pete Hines could have written out three years ago. I'm retiring at the end of 2023 and that's it. Like it could be coincidence, but I do just find it a little bit intriguing and it gets my wheels turning just a tiny bit. Um, on whether or not the acquisition had anything to do with this. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know that I have much to say other than that because it's just pure speculation and I'm not saying whether it's good or bad, but I guess when your company that's already large gets absorbed by another mega corporation, I mean, that would kind of make me think a little bit differently. Um, now we've heard in the past that Microsoft, at least from what I've heard, um, you know, tends to kind of be kind of hands off on some things, which is good overall for developers in any acquisition uh, scenario. But um, really does make you wonder any any thoughts on that, Dave? Or are you kind of in the camp that, you know, he's just done? Yeah, I I I th- I, I want to err on the side of he's just retiring. He's he's had a great career. And it's funny you mentioned LinkedIn, Ben, because when I was reading this, uh, I popped over on his LinkedIn page just to check him out so when he go when he opens his computer tomorrow he's gonna say david lambden <laughs> viewed your profile and he's he's gonna check me out only if he's got linkedin <laughs> premium or whatever exactly so yeah, uh, that he does for sure yeah pays for that. um and what i noticed is uh 23 years as uh senior vp of marketing and one year as head of publishing yeah so what happened um, was this planned was it pete we know you want to leave we know you're done you've had a hell of a career run our publishing for one year while we, you know, deal with this stuff with Microsoft and then, you know, here's your walking papers, enjoy retirement. Or did he see things? Did he experience things that he didn't like? There's some people in the industry that are reporting on this as Bethesda is losing Pete Hines and then other outlets who are saying he's retiring. So it's kind of like, is it irresponsible reporting or is there, is there actually a little bit of smoke here? So, um, In either in either case, I mean, this is I, I want to think he is just retiring. Twenty five years is a long time in video games, and uh, good for him. I mean, if you, if you get a chance to like look at the games he's credited on, albeit not as like a lead developer or anything, but you know, senior VP of marketing, the games he's worked on over the twenty five years are huge, and they're you know, they've probably shaped all of your kind of. Um, gaming youths and careers and stuff like that. So check it out if you can. But um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, this is probably just retirement, nothing fishy going on here, but good, yeah. for, good for Pete. Take some time off and enjoy life. And Chad, we got Will Shen, one of the lead quest designers at BGS also left. I wonder if some financial incentives from the acquisition kicked in. Um, I would say that's, that's a possibility. I also think somebody like Pete Hines, who literally testified in the act, act of, uh, acquisition, probably, he was like, hey, I'm going to retire. And they were like, could you please just stay until this is done? Like, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, but also, I just had, I had another theory that when Pete Hines started at Bethesda, they said, what do, you, what do you see yourself doing here? And he goes, I want to just be there for the launch of one new IP. They were like, great. And then 25 <laughs> years later, it happened and he's out now. So <laughs> Hi-Fi like, Rush finally. came out. So he's, he's like, I'm good. You were referring to uh, Hi-Fi uh, Rush, right? Uh, yeah. No, okay. it wasn't. Yeah, definitely no, that. Yeah, definitely certainly not. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think it I think it makes sense. And whether whether he's leaving because like Dave said, maybe he saw stuff or whether he's leaving because he wants to retire or whatever. I think. Yeah, I think he's been a, a, a net positive for the industry. Um, 
and definitely created some funny moments uh, on the old Twitters and whatnot. Todd's next. On. Dude, Todd's next. Todd's next. He kind of talked about that. Did you see that in that interview? I, I don't want to go back Todd, to that. Yeah, that's been a while was, ago. He's just like loosey-goosey about it. And I yeah. know guys like this are always like that. Like, who knows? This might be my last, whatever, you know, yeah. after Elder Scrolls. I might be, you know, whatever. Well, but if you figure Elder Scrolls is probably still five years away. <laughs> God, and, I hope not. I mean, it probably is. Honestly, they've, yeah. they've, according to everything we know, they just barely have started working on it. So... If you figure that's still five years away, I mean, that's putting him over the standard retirement age, right? But the reality is he doesn't need to be that age to retire. I'm sure that unless he is very irresponsible with his money, he has got enough to live comfortably for the rest of his life. He's there because he wants to be. Yeah. And so whether <laughs> whether Todd Howard retires tomorrow or after one more game or he works until he dies who knows but either way that's definitely a man who has left his mark on the industry yeah, for real yeah man that ja- the, the way that man can pull off a bomber jacket is just I'm nobody else inconceivable nobody else inconceivable if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Dave, this one's for you. The gaming industry is experiencing a shift towards digital distribution, but Ubisoft, a major player in the industry, believes there will always be a place for physical media. Ubisoft's senior vice president mentioned that while digital media is growing in popularity, physical media such as game disc will likely not disappear entirely. This perspective is shared by others in the industry who see physical games as collector's items and believe there will continue to be a market for them. Despite this, the industry is moving towards a global... uh, I don't know where I pulled global out of because I didn't even write that. Despite this, the industry is moving towards a digital future with discless console variants already available. Dave, as the only person on this podcast who would dare to own two discless consoles, (laughs) uh, I would like to ask you, again, this isn't really a conversation about Ubisoft or what they say. I think that came after some speculation about Best Buy um, doing away with video games physically, but... No, no, um, no, movies. I keep seeing people talking well, about that. But there was speculation about okay, all about right, the, right. yeah, all yeah. Right. So they're Best Buy is doing away with physical movies and and music, but they said they'll keep video games at least for a little while. But I think Ubisoft then after this shared that. But um, anyway, Dave, as the the digital only Chad and Ubisoft room, shill and Ubisoft shill, I'd like to know <laughs> how you're feeling about this. Uh, this is kind of a nothing story, I think. There's, there's two extremes. Uh, there's big companies like Ubisoft who have shareholders and stakeholders and they say nothing. And then there's people like Joseph Ferris who say everything. 
Um, <laughs> so Ubisoft is not going to make any sweeping statements that's going to scare people in any way or, or change the industry. Um, but even if what they're saying is is kind of the direction that they're planning on going, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, CDs are still around. There are still Sunrise yeah. Records in my neighborhood, but they're not. Wait, you know, what? I haven't. I haven't purchased a CD since. Usher released Confessions Part 2 in 2004. You guys know that better than Ooh. anybody. Oh, yeah. I do. I but, do. I mean, those are like, like CDs are still around, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's an impactful way to kind of consume that media. So I don't know. I suspect most major publishers are still going to release somewhat physical versions of their games. Um, I, but as long as publishers are saving so much overhead on on cutting out that middleman and going straight to digital, that's going to be the dominant way. Um, even in the last ten years, like we've seen entire segments of of the industry just not even bother with physical. And I'm talking about like indies, like just don't do physical at all. Um, we're seeing entire storefronts where. Uh, you know, like Steam, obviously, where, you know, th- there's no physical involved there. So the industry has just changed so much that trajectory isn't going to stop. And I think it's not going to be long before physical is a lot like physical music where, you know, you have record stores, but they're mostly for collectors and there are CD stores, but, um, you know, they're mostly Funko Pops, just like GameStop. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's just oh, yeah, they're just um, Steven Tyler Funko Pops and stuff. Your eyes lit up when I said Sunrise Records, and I I thought that was a Canadian chain. But do you guys have Sunrise Records? Or no, did you? no. So okay. I used to work at a place called Sam Goody. Oh, okay, okay. Which um was a U.S. chain. I don't know if anyone. I think the entire place went down. I I worked there at the end of the one I was at, and we were the highest. We had the best sales of anyone in the state, in a little podunk town. So. We, but we still got shut down because of everybody else. But that was in 2006 or seven is when that our whole district shut down our whole like area. And I know there was like FYE for a while, but I haven't even seen one of those in years. And now like the only thing, the only time I ever even see a CD is like if I happen to venture into Walmart, which is also pretty rare. So I didn't really know there were like still music store chains that weren't like, you know, retro stores or like a, a, a shop with a bunch of vinyl that also had some old CDs or something. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you talking about new music? I mean, I know that they obviously still put some new music on CDs, but most, most cars made after like, I don't know, 2010 don't even have a CD player. In them yeah. Anymore. Honestly, I think they're more like hot topics and yeah. like they've got records and stuff, but it is a sunrise records, which when I was growing up was where you went for, for CDs and cassettes. Yeah. If we really want to go back, but, um, yeah, it's I, they're there, but you know they're still being produced. And you could say you could probably say that about video games in twenty years. But at the end of the day, what's Nintendo going to do? That's what I want to know. Is like Nintendo they do whatever they want to do. Nintendo is still like it, the next Switch. Is what is that cartridge going to look like? Because they can't make up their friggin' mind what a video game cartridge is supposed to look like. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and real Radic just said there ain't nobody in their twenties who cares about physical games. So. Yeah, well, Real Radic's like 14, so what would he know about people in their 20s? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's probably mostly true. Every Most people care about the physical stuff, or the physical stuff less and less than they used to, but um, I don't know. For the... It, it is still a big industry. There are obviously, like... There are entire companies who all they do is make... Um, CD cases and liners and design the artwork for them and everything else. 
So (laughs) like those companies have to be having a bit of a panic attack about what they're going to do. Right. And that's why I think what Ubisoft is saying is just, they're being nice. Also there, Brandon, I don't know what you think about this, but there's something about Ubisoft. I guarantee the, the big publishers, you know, Ubisoft, 2k, um, etc. They're all, they're all bought by other people now, but the big publishers probably already know the very basic details about the PS six and the Xbox 9,000 or whatever is going to come next. So I'd say if they're saying these kind of things, you know, maybe there's some, some knowledge there as well. Could be definitely what's coming next. Yeah. I know you're a physical guy, Brandon. I know this Friday, I'm going to be headed to, to my local, I don't know if I'll go to target or Walmart. To pick up uh, Spidey 2 and Mario Wonder. Physical. My man. Physical. All the way. Dude, you heard it first. You guys were talking about like vinyls and like vintage shit. Mm-hmm. How many years will it take for uh, physical games media to be referred as to as vintage? <laughs> it's already. The Zoomers are already. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah. like the, these old heads consuming this vintage CD <laughs> disc, you know, what is like now Blu-ray? it's like, oh, they got they have vinyl at Target and, and pretty soon it's gonna be like they got guys. They have discs. <laughs> there, you wouldn't believe it. There's like an actual plastic case and, and get this. There's fucking nothing but a disc in it. There, there is nothing but a disc in it. And that disc, it doesn't have shit on it. Why are they the funny, buying this shit? The funny thing is, I remember steam very for like from its inception so when half-life when half-life came out i went and bought half-life and i think it you know it had like maybe it was half-life 2 i don't know but it was like it had like you know team fortress and counter-strike and all that stuff with it and it was all the discs and i think even half-life was like multiple discs to install but there were also codes on the back of the the sleeve for the disc and you still in order to play the game on your like to, to get it on your steam account you still had to enter those codes in if you gave those discs to your buddy it didn't matter. They couldn't play them. Right. And that was almost 30 years ago. <laughs> it was in the late 90s. <laughs> so like PC has changed, already been yeah. that way for a long time. And yeah. and with PC, I'm like, oh, there's no, there's, there's not, I haven't even thought about a physical PC game outside of like collector shows where I'm like, oh, I'm not playing if it, I'll play a game if it's digital only. Alan right. Wake 2 is coming out. I'm going to play Alan Wake 2, even though it's digital only, whatever. Right. But if there's an option, I prefer the physical still. Yeah, and, no. and apparently Ubisoft is now my favorite publisher because they said this. Yeah, you know, no, it means nothing. Now we're the shills. Um, no, I guess this is good. And Dave said it. I mean, from someone this high up, it probably means absolutely nothing. Right. Um, but I guess as a fellow physical boy, uh, I am very pleased to see this sort of language, even even if it is PR speak, even yeah. if it is, um, you know, as Dave said, a nothing sandwich. I'm glad to see it. This is for the physical homies. Yeah. Uh, Radic, who's just barely old enough to be allowed to be on YouTube uh, without parental <laughs> oh, consent. No, dude, he's catching so Radic. many L's. <laughs> <laughs> Says uh, collector's editions barely even include a disc anymore. And that is true. Um, that's been the case for uh, multiple years now. Um, but I think that is more of a practical thing because they don't have the games printed early enough to get the collector's editions together. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, question here. The real question was mentioned already. Nintendo and physical games were publishers at some point forced Nintendo to offer their games digital only. Between you and me, Hriz, and everybody else listening, watching, whatever, I think that um, Nintendo will be the last, the last one to, wh- whenever that time comes, whether it's next year or in, in 15 years, whatever, 
Nintendo will be the one that has physical game options the longest because they appeal more to a wide range of people. They appeal more to grandma going out and buying uh, the new Mario game for their grandkid and not knowing how, that if I just buy this card, it's a game. So like, I think, I think Nintendo will be, a, will be the last one holding out, but that's just speculation on my part. Dude, I also, was, they're not very good at technology. So the I, digital yeah. thing might definitely not. Definitely not. I was literally thinking the exact same thing. And it's not only because, you know, they're late to adopt, but like, I just genuinely, we've said this so many times. They don't, they don't fucking need Nintendo can do whatever. And people are going to, come out for days and days and days so yeah they could be physical forever and everyone would still buy it even if that wasn't the norm anymore i am positive yeah. that nintendo would stay that way dave you cannot Dave's stop cracking yourself from laughing up, dude. what's <laughs> happening dude uh okay so this past summer i uh we had this summer camp we were running at work and one of the days i needed to go and help out and there was this kid there and he was uh he wasn't really hanging out with the other kids so i was trying to like you know cheer him up and stuff and he pulls out like this nintendo ds case and he's got all these nintendo ds cartridges and he's showing me all his games he's super proud of his collection i'm like where's your ds and he's like i don't have a ds <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i just thought oh about that it's just bro. cracking me up Dude, that's the oh opposite of a physical he's, he's not only a physical chad he is an anti-hardware chat. Like, he's exactly. like, I need the games more than I need the hardware. That is the most base thing I've ever heard a child say in my entire life or do. <laughs> How old was this child? Pure collector. Know. He said his name was Radic. <laughs> Ra- okay. Radic. <laughs> no, I don't know. There was like 12 or something like that. Yeah. I was he, just wondering if he was like a little kid that stole his brother's games or something. Or, he was so yeah. proud of his collection, but he couldn't play any of the games. <laughs> Couldn't play him. I feel oh, man. bad, man. Poor kid. Well, speaking of um of digital, Alan Wake Two that's going to be all digital, not even a physical offering. Which you know maybe eventually there will be. Who knows? But number four with Alan Wake Two set to launch soon, Ribbity Entertainment is shedding light on what players can expect in terms of post-launch support, specifically free DLC. Creative director Sam Lake shared that the free DLC will be significant, but didn't go into precise details. While the larger paid expansions named Night Springs and the Lake House have been mentioned, it seems the free content could bring more than just cosmetic additions. Dave, uh, I really like knowing what the DLC is going to be before the game launches, because then you feel like you can make an informed decision. And the fact that they're going to make some of it at least free, I think it's pretty cool. You don't, we don't see a lot of free DLC anymore. Yeah, it makes that 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 day one price tag uh, a whole lot easier to jump in on when you know there's going to be extra content coming down the road and you don't have to shell out an extra 10 or $20 for it. So this is cool. Yeah, we don't see it very often. I feel like Remedy is going really hard these days. Like They're just saying all the right things every day. And um, yeah, I but when I read this, I kind of thought to myself, like, have you has has post launch content or the promise of post launch post launch content DLC ever like influenced a buying decision for you guys because i don't know if it has for me or it kind of has in a bad way i think about and obviously this isn't free content but um witcher 3 um blood and wine hearts of stone i didn't buy the witcher 3 i bought it at launch so i wasn't really aware of what the dlc was going to be but i like the dlc better than the main game the one time that i actually bought like a complete edition was assassin's creed odyssey and uh i think having purchased the DLC in advance actually ruined the experience for me because 
I grinded that game so long that, and I felt like I had to because I had paid for it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Has, has DLC kind of ever influenced a, a buying decision for either of you guys? Brandon? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I've had an idea of whether I wanted to buy the DLC prior to a launch, but it's it's such a mixed bag anymore. I mean, e- even full releases, it's such a mixed bag. I usually don't buy in instantly, even with games I like, because even games I do like and have historically liked, I end up falling off on for a reason or another, you know, post uh, post launch support or, you know, the DLC just coming out with mom reviews. So, yeah, it's. It's never made me want to buy a game before, but I think you you kind of hit it on the head there, Dave, is this does nothing but adds value. Just literally instantly before the game even releases, it's just another reason um, to know that stuff is going to keep coming and maybe everything isn't going to be free. Um, but free is something we never hear um, in the games industry, especially story content. So I don't know for me if if the promise or expectation of DLC has ever influenced me or my purchasing decisions on a game I knew I was going to buy. Like Spider-Man 2 is coming out. Let's just use that as an easy example. If they follow suit with the first one, there will probably be post-launch DLC. I don't know if they've announced that. If they have, I haven't paid attention because I'm blacked out on that game. But uh, I'm going to buy it either way. I'm going to buy the game either way. Whether I buy the DLC or not, you know, it just depends on if it's good. Let's face it, I'm probably going to buy it and not play it like I did with the first game. But for the most part, I don't really play a lot of DLC. Now, there have been games that I didn't play at launch, and I'm like, oh, there's a there's an addition with all the DLC included. I'm just going to go ahead and buy that one and play it. And a lot of times, you don't even notice that DLC is separate than the game if they do it well. Uh, it's just mixed into the game the rest of the way. Um, probably the most recent example of that would be with um, Marvel's Midnight Suns. I was like... I was like, I'm going to buy this. I want to buy this, but I want to buy the like deluxe edition with everything included. And then I ended up waiting for some sale or got it on green man or something. I don't know where I got all the DLC, which was like an additional 50 or 60 bucks. I don't know for like $10 more than the base game, knowing full well that I probably won't play all of it, but I did choose to buy that because it was already mixed in there, but games at launch. No, I'm either going to buy it or I'm not buy it at launch. I think. What about you, Dave? You, you didn't. You said about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Is that? Yeah, that and that's the one example? time it backfired on me, and that's why you don't yeah. pre-order and you don't pre-order complete editions. Because how do you know you're gonna like it all? But I was just excited for the game to come out. But I think about well, like think about, think about Fallout Four, Dave. Sorry, think about that. Yeah. They they announced Fallout 4's DLC, the names of them before they announced what they were, and you could like pre-order the DLC before the game was even. <laughs> yeah, out. in a case like that, it's like why isn't it just in the main game? And obviously, it's to make money. But I'm looking at like something like Phantom Liberty, where the, I I know that's a unique case, but I'm pretty sure there are people who are now buying Cyberpunk, probably more because it's been fixed, but also because Itrasel was in the game. Uh, there's this new yeah. campaign that people really seem to like. So it's interesting yeah. when DLC can kind of sway people on a game. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Idris, Idris being in alone is, you know, al- almost enough by itself to pull me in. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend, the acting connoisseur and DJ. That's He's right. Great DJ. DJ. Let's yeah. not forget yeah. about his his musical prowess. Yeah. 
I don't know why this just occurred to me, but I saw a clip from a dude. Dave, your cat dude, is your going. Cat. I love it, Phil. I, I've been watching it. I wasn't going to say anything. Going wild. Tim is is loving this. I love it, dude. We we need a cat cam. We need a We've cat, got a cat cam. cam. There's one right here. It's I Dave's know. Dude. I love you it. audio listeners are missing out. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, go check it out on YouTube. Tim, I is, think he heard me because as soon as I said that, he just like dropped in yeah. state school. But um, I don't remember where I was going, but. It was probably not important. Let's move on. A new Halo campaign is reportedly in development at 343 Industries, making the next, marking the next chapter in the long-running series. This, this development, however, seems to be in its early stages as it's part of a restructuring effort focused on creating the next generation of Halo within the Unreal Engine. While no specifics were shared, it suggested that the new single-player campaign may still be a few years away from release. This project has been alluded to in recent job listings by Microsoft as 343 Industries seeks to release, seeks to expand its team for building the next generation of Halo games and experiences. Brandon, uh, Halo, I mean, I assumed we all knew or suspected there would be another Halo game eventually, but did you expect 343 to be working on it or leading the charge? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. We've had such uh, divisive... uh, as the consumer, we've had such a divisive uh, relationship with 343 simply because they have um, underperformed multiple times um, with multiple different games. And so this is definitely an interesting choice um, in what you wrote here. It's saying they're looking to pump the numbers on the team. And God, I hope that's the answer. I really genuinely hope that's the answer. But out after the fallout of uh, something like the Master Chief Collection, you got to think that even a couple thousand more people or a couple dozen more people wouldn't have been the difference between the many years that it took for that game to be any good um, or working at all, actually, uh, for the most part. But um yeah, this is good, I suppose. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about those leaks and how Halo was completely omitted from all of those. Now, we talked about how those were old, but found it kind of glaring that Halo wasn't mentioned at all. So I guess this is an interesting tidbit of news. Um, I never thought in my wildest dreams that Halo would be going anywhere. Um, but I do find it interesting that this is worded in such a way that it says Halo campaign. Um, so what I would genuinely see have happen here um, would be Halo to kind of continue uh, Halo Infinite, excuse me, the multiplayer to t- continue to be the flagship and continue to grow its own numbers and fix the problems that it had at launch. And for this to maybe be its own standalone thing that wouldn't necessarily be directly attached to the infinite multiplayer. That's what I see personally. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some sort of new halo event in infinite and we got some crossover maybe we got some skins and some new cores um for the for the spartans um but honestly i think that's a good way to handle it i think that after infinite i think they put a lot of stock into that and i feel like there's some really good bones there i would hate for them to just throw away all the progress they made even if it was kind of done in vain to an extent. Um, I would love for them to keep honing that because I've even played that recently. I haven't talked about it on the show, but uh, I've, I've played infinite once or twice over the past couple of months and it's still quite, quite a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, this is certainly interesting. I'm always glad to see halo. Um, it's sad to see what's kind of happened to the franchise in the media um, uh, and in kind of the eye of the consumer over the years. But I would love to see them back on top. We need more shooters on top. You know, 
things yeah. like Call of Duty and Apex. It's it's good for everybody when these big IP do well. So, Dave Brennan kind of said what I was thinking, and I, and the articles I saw did specify uh, campaign. Then they said that Infinite was going to be a platform essentially for you know years. So, are you in that same train that maybe we'll see another Halo campaign? And hey, maybe it's even. Maybe they'll go back and try to do another RTS or some totally different style of game. Yeah. That's not just a traditional Halo game. Yeah, Halo then, you know, dating you know, sim is coming. Yeah, Halo dating sim, waifu, Master Chief, you know, whatever it ends up being. Cortana sim. Cortana sim. <laughs> um, um, power wash simulator in Halo. The Yeah, the wording is interesting. Uh, my first was, thought was like, is if they said that the next entry in the Halo franchise is coming well obviously that's a sequel but this kind of sounds like additional content or is it something more in between whatever the case is is infinite was supposed to be this living breathing thing uh to some extent so the delivery of whatever this campaign is is going to be really interesting um i think about what halo master chief collection was and that was more like a cod launcher like where um, you know, you had a, a multiple different games and there was content added into it. Um, and you just kind of went into Master Chief Collection and then you kind of launched from there, just like Call of Duty does, where I think if you go in today, you get uh, like the campaign, you get multiplayer and Warzone. Even last year when I was playing Vanguard, you had uh, like Vanguard 2019 and and mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, Alejandro in the, in the, in the chat there kind of said it like 343 is seems to be on the up and up and you know they they couldn't go any lower but there seems to be a lot of buzz about season five which i think came out today or is coming out soon reckoning um there's some new leadership there 343 so um yeah i mean things may be looking up for them in any case 343 needs to take as long as they want on this because you know halo cannot die the gaming industry needs halo we need halo we need a strong master chief so yeah, um, kind of sucks that it's a few years away, but again, they need to take their time on it. So, yeah. yeah. Also, real quick note: Do we find it interesting that we're hearing about a new Halo campaign from three four three, and at the same time, we have things like features for the currently offered title being canceled? Do we think that's a coincidence? I'd say probably not. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think they're kind of at a cut our cut our losses position yeah. because. And I mean, I hate to talk about it only in a practical dollars and cents scenario, but when you look at it and you're like, okay, well, like, what's a feature that's being cut, Brandon? Just give Co- me one. Co-op. Um, local co-op or um, yeah. online co-op. Yeah. They're like, okay, online co-op, we usually get, I'm making up numbers here, um, 3% of our players use online co-op. So if we add online co-op, maybe 50% of those people who would have used it will come back. And that will gain us... X amount of dollars. Whereas if they look at, well, let's just take that research. They're, they're just shifting it to where the money is going to be. And it is a, that is a business move that they have to do. I'm sure they have the telemetry of who uses those features, but I do think not that this is about that particular feature, but about that particular feature uh, with seeing the, the parody systems with the series S and the series X no longer have to be like exactly the same. I do wonder if, whatever they had for co-op running would work now because that was probably a big reason they couldn't get it going. If all the things we're hearing about the series S is true, they couldn't get it going on series S. Therefore they weren't allowed to put it out on series X. Right. So it just got canned. 
same with with Forza. And I think it's, and this seems to be the running theme, the same with Forza, the same with um, Halo, is that it's not online. It's split screen. Yeah. So you say your machine's yeah, essentially yeah. having to run two of the exact same thing at once, which I right. get, I get, can be incredibly taxing. Sure. Um, but yeah, just wanted to straighten that up. Online, I believe, still works just fine on Infinite. But okay, yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right about that. All right. Well, I think that's all the news. We'll get into what we've been playing, but first, um, Hriz wants to know: Is that cat really named Tim? That is awesome, Dave. They want to know. That is Tim. That is Timothy. <laughs> yeah. They named him. Uh, Castelli was his adopted name, but we said, no, that's a Tim right there. So Tim the okay. cat. All right. How's it should um, be? Well, we, uh, we just needed to know that. So uh, guys, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. If you uh, are a, a listener and you haven't been here for the, the videos after we're done with the show, we typically stick around and hang out and talk to people for at least a few minutes. As long as, uh, as long as we feel like it and Dave, you know, doesn't have a crying baby or something. Um, but first, let's go to Dave since we didn't get to hear from him last week. Dave, what have you been playing? You Ubisoft shill. <laughs> so I've, I, I, I love the Assassin's Creed series, as you may or may not know. Uh, so I've been playing Assassin's Creed Mirage uh, pretty much since launch. Um, and yeah, it's when this game got announced, I was a little kind of meh on it. Not for any particular reason, but I just... I don't know. I knew this game had started out as uh, DLC, at least conceptually, for um, for uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So that kind of it was like, ah, eh, it's just being kind of flipped into a main mainline game. Um, and then as we got closer to launch, I got more excited, and yeah, I'm happy to report I love this game. Uh, it's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what I needed. Um, it's right back to basics. You know, if you came into the series like me in Assassin's Creed 2, then I think what you're getting here is 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 that, you know, you're running around a very uh, thoughtful and interesting map. Um, there's lots of interesting parkour um, and, you know, there's lots of collectibles and, and just stuff to distract you. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, it's. You know, if, if you weren't into the series, like there's nothing here that I think is going to sway you. But again, if you're like me, who's been enjoyed the RPG, the last three RPG games, um, but, you know, wanted what initially kind of brought you into the series, which was a little bit more focus on stealth and parkour and less on colored loot and stuff like that, which to me really doesn't fit into an Assassin's Creed game, then um yeah, this is this is this is a game for you. I really like the stealth. It's it's I think it's a little bit more accessible, um, which is fine because it's really just based around what tools that you have. You can do you know there's a couple uh, of light RPG elements like upgrading tools, but again, it's very light. Um, and I think the scaling back has really added more meaning to the stuff on the map, i.e., the collectibles because. In the RPG game, so much of it was just like upgrade material and just currency. And it's like, I don't want to go looking for all that stuff because it's just, it just feels so meaningless where now an icon on the map is exciting because it's, it's, it's a, it's a collectible and there aren't many of them. So yeah, I'm really liking it. Um, I'm about 10 hours in and I'm, I'm really, I'm somewhat into the story. Um, you know, 
knowing the connection of Bassin, the character and where he started and ended up in Valhalla is really making me interested in where this is going to go. I'm also kind of intrigued because the game is called Mirage. So <laughs> I'm wondering if there's some like Assassin's Creed one style twist coming my way, but um yeah, it's cool. It's it's honestly just back to basics, and that might be a turnoff for some people, but for me, it's it's exactly what I wanted. So, I'm I'm really happy. Uh, this is probably the only game I'm going to be playing for a little while, uh, just because I want to kind of see everything in the game, and and you know, it's not a huge game, so it's not going to take too long. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying Mirage. Dave, if there is um, should I should I play Mirage? Let me say this. Will I have as enjoyable of a time with Mirage if I know nothing about Basm? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I th- I, th- I think it's it's fine. Um, I think it does add something to the experience if you've if it's intriguing because Basim was kind of an interesting character. Uh, he was really cool, and then he kind of turned into a dick. And spoiler alert: um, it turns out that Basim was the modern day in, uh, incarnation of Loki. Um, so he went from just kind of this noble guy to the, like, he was kind of playing everybody the whole time. Um, so, and in Mirage, he's, he's kind of like a young and innocent kind of green assassin. And it's, it's interesting watching him kind of progress through, um, you know, the starting point of Valhalla, which I assume is where Mirage is roughly going to end. And, you know, why did Basim leave Baghdad to go and seek out Sigurd in Valhalla and stuff like that? So, yeah. It's you don't need to, but I think it enhances it if you if you did. Dave, you also have another game on your list. Was that did you put that on there? Yes, I did. Okay, I'd like to know. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know if you meant <laughs> what you wrote. I kept I it, okay, so it's Callisto <laughs> Protocol, and I wrote, we yeah. have a little no uh, show sheet, and I wrote Calypso Protocol because I kept saying that in my head. And as I was uh-huh. typing it, I, I thought Calypso, and I was like, "Fuck!" So I just I just wrote it, <laughs> and like then I that. listened to Calypso while I was doing my my own show notes. So, um, yeah, Callisto Protocol. It is the it is on PS Plus as a game of the month. I think it's going away uh, or something. I, I was getting reminders to download it. Now. Or I guess it's for the month of October, isn't it? It's just for the month of October. Right. Yeah. So okay. if you download it and you keep PS plus yeah. or anytime you have PS plus, you play it. Yeah. I've said on this show, I love seasonal games. So I was, I was looking for a spooky, scary game to play. So this was perfect. Uh, and I'm liking it. I'm only a couple hours in. Um, it's, it's, it looks fantastic. It's one of the, yeah. the best looking games I've played, uh, which shouldn't be surprising. It's a very focused and, and small game and it's very linear, but, you know, lighting and sound and stuff like that is so important in games like this. And I think, um, I think they really nailed it with this one. Um, the combat is, I like the combat. I, I do. And I know there was a lot of, this was a hot topic when the game came out about the dodging system specifically. Uh, if I recall correctly, it was patched or changed or some way. So I don't know if what I'm playing is what people were complaining about last December. Um, oh, I played it in January, I think. So maybe I played the after patch too. I don't know. Yeah, I could be wrong there. But in any case, I, I do like the combat. I think it's um, it's very cinematic. It's it's simple, but intuitive. Um, it really just rely. It reminds me of skate. Do you guys remember playing skate where you controlled oh, everything yeah. on the stick? It was kind of like that. Uh, it, but again, you're just controlling your dodges on the stick. But right. um, while I like the combat, I don't know how conducive it is to a horror game like this. And the reason I say that is because 
it makes it not that scary. I'm thinking mm. about, and I'm going to compare it to Dead Space just because that's, I think that's, that's a good comparison. It's the a same easy director, comparison. So that makes but, sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like in Dead Space, um, you know, you, you, you needed to keep a distance between yourself and an enemy. And the second that an enemy closed the space on you, you were pretty much screwed. And, and that tension between lining up your shot and taking off a limb um, and those enemies, which move really fast, that's what made it scary and tense. But with Callisto Protocol, you're kind of like fist fighting enemies and you kind of have to square them up so that you can dodge correctly. So it's like they jump out at you, but you kind of wait a second for them to stand in front of you. And it just kind of takes something away from it for me. I don't know if I explained that really well, but um, yeah, I, I don't know how well this combat system really meshes with um, the horror suspense kind of thing, but in any case, it's a fun game. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I the story in these games are are always interesting to me. But as I'm getting a little bit further, it's starting to feel a little old hat. Um, but in any case, uh, I'm going to keep playing through it because it's 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 a fun kind of game this time of the year, and it was free. So yeah, Callisto Protocol. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun with Calypso Protocol. Like I said earlier this year when I played it. Um, but I definitely felt like there was something missing, you know, like there's just something that it feels really good and it ran pretty well on my machine by the time I got to play it. But I just constantly felt like there's something that's just not here yet. I don't know if that was the, wasn't scary enough or the combat wasn't deep enough. The really interesting thing about this, and we've seen some reports since then is that the game, I think they spent like $160 million on this game. Jesus. And, uh, they still didn't make their money and they sold like, I don't know, a, a couple million copies, but this game for how long it is, I think it's like 10 to 12 hours unless you're a completionist. It just, it shouldn't have cost that much money. It is amazingly beautiful. And I think it, it plays well and it does its job and everything, but it just, fa- I think it quote failed because of that, because of how much it costs. I think having kind of Karen Fukuhara and, and Josh Duhamel, they're, well, they're great, but I don't yeah. think they needed them. And I, I assume a lot of that money was spent on, on them. That didn't sell the game for me at least. No. Yeah. No. I mean, they're, they're fine, but not, not any disrespect, but that's, those are like, you know, B tier actors, right? They're not like, like, it's not like you had George Clooney and Sandra Bullock uh, reprising their roles from pretty woman. Um, in the game, and Sam, I more. think Sam Witwer is is the most interesting so That's far. And I think he was probably yeah. the cheapest of like the big three in the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Brandon, you were gonna say something? No, yeah, I was gonna say you were talking about a tier. I was like, or like Troy Baker or somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Brandon, um, <laughs> speaking of what me, are you, what, are you what playing, have Brandon? I been playing? Wow. Last speaking week, of Brandon. Yeah. Speaking of me um so i did try forza motorsport i talked a little bit in the discord um about motorsport and how i wasn't quite meshing with the game um but after having played it for about a week now well i think exactly a week now um i'm starting to get it i think that having played gran turismo 7 i really 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 deeply was learning how that game works moment to moment um and unlearning that um, was kind of difficult for me because I wanted to play it exactly like that. And it's just not. Um, I think I have that problem um, with games a lot. Uh, comparison is the death of happiness. What is it? Something like that. 
Um, I think it's expectation is the thief of joy, but I like your version too. Yeah. I said that though. You can quell me right. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm enjoying it quite a bit now. It does some really awesome things. Um, at first I was a little turned off by, I guess some of the mechanics in the game, I think Forza Horizon kind of broke my brain as far as like my dopamine receptors, because every three races, I would spin a slot machine and I would have a chance to win a car, (laughs) which is so fucking exciting. It's like, you know, it's not necessarily the slot machine mechanic, which I guess is probably exciting in and of itself. It it like by science gives you dopamine. That's why people get addicted to gambling. Um but it was just cool how freely they offered cars to you where other games seem so stingy, like a game like GT seven, um, depending on what you're buying, it seems so difficult to, uh, you know, achieve uh, some of the cars that are in that game. And it's, it, it takes so many hours, but um, as I played more, I've kind of gotten used to it. Um, I was kind of aggravated that you were leveling up cars um, in horizon, you would just get a car and you could, if you had the money, you could, upgrade it whatever way you want but now it kind of gives you incentive to hone your skills with certain cars which i guess is because it's fundamentally different it's a different type of game it's a track game um so that's been kind of interesting the only thing you use money for is to actually buy entire vehicles in this one um and then all of the performance upgrades all of the visual upgrades are equipable by just playing with those cars and the the currency for that is not shared between cars. So if you level up a car, you could feel free to go crazy on that car because you're you're not going to miss out on it on another car. You have to level up that car specifically. Um, so once I kind of got a feel for the game, I'm really enjoying it now. Um, it did take some uh, unlearning on my part, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I will say overall... I think the ray tracing is really cool and I love the way they did it. I'm glad that they were able to incorporate it in the game instead of just in the replays um, like GT7 has. But um, I'm trying to remember, is is like post-processing? However, they do some of the graphical stuff in the games. It does make the game look a little bit muddy, even on quality. I feel like some of the far objects, um, regardless of what setting you have it on, um, the game isn't quite as crisp as GT is. And that really does bother me because I want to be looking as far down the track as I possibly can at every bend. And when I can notice that it's visibly different down the track than where I'm at, that kind of bothers me a little bit. Obviously, it's minutia, and I don't think almost anybody would probably notice that. But overall, super excited, was a little bit mum at the beginning, but I'm having a genuinely good time at this point. So, Dave, have you... It did, I mean, obviously, you haven't talked about it. Do you have any interest here? No, no, I only okay. need and it's it's no ill will towards Forza, um, but I, I only need one racing sim in my life. And at the moment, it's GT7. So yeah. if I if if I resubscribe to, to Game Pass, which I'm sure I will soon, I, I might check it out, but it's not. I, I don't need two racing sims. Yeah. Uh, you remember back in the day when they had Madden and they had NFL 2K? Uh, yeah. I was oh, not yeah. the kind of person to play both. Yeah, so that, just that's, give, yeah. yeah, that's the kind of thing. Um, yeah. Are there, there microtransactions in motorsport like there are in GT? Um, no, not like that. It's the same micro... It's the same microtransactions that um, Horizon has where you can okay. get car packs or you can get a car like battle pass, essentially. Uh, what 
I think they call it a car pass. Um, it essentially gives you cars like every month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so GT7s is pretty egregious. You can literally one-to-one spend money. It's like you get credits in-game for spending actual money, which I think is the scummiest part and my least favorite part about the game. But thankfully, yeah. this game does not um, have that same tactic. But uh, yeah, and Brandon, you recently brought in a ringer to make money for you in GT7. I know, bro. I had talked about how my, uh, my soon-to-be father-in-law was helping me out, getting me leveled in Destiny so that way I could raid with him because I reasonably cannot spend as much time as it takes to level properly in destiny like i i have too many other things to play and i would love to spend that much time on it but there's so many other things i want to play um and he's helped me out but um the other day he logged on and it was really funny because i was playing gran turismo with them and in games like horizon they'll just randomly like gift you cars right it literally happens all the time in horizon i'll log in and it's like oh we just gave everyone this car and so i logged into gc gt7 and i asked the guys i was playing with i was like did they like give away like a free Lamborghini or something? Did you guys get this Lamborghini? Cause I'm thinking, Oh, they gave everyone a Lamborghini. And my, my father-in-law was like, Oh, did it give you $150,000 as well? And I was like, yeah. And he just starts chuckling because he, because I gave him my login info, he had logged into my Gran Turismo as well and was just getting me some extra money in that, which was really nice of him. Uh, because like I said, everything's so fucking expensive in that game. Um, but yeah, absolute legend. As I said last week, bless Wes. Legend. Um, but I've also been playing and I hadn't planned on potentially... I wanted to buy this, but I was incredibly on the fence. But if either one of you know me at all or any of the listeners, I end up just buying... <laughs> when I say I'm not going to buy something, I end up waiting to the day of and then I end up buying it. So I bought Lords of the Fallen, guys. Um, and I got to say that Brandon, just real quick, yeah, I want to say that for months before Destiny Two came out, you said I'm not buying that game. I bought it, and we went to coffee out. the morning oh, of it coming out, and you were, dude. and I was like, "What are you doing after this?" And you were like, "I'm going to buy Destiny 2. dude. I, I like, oh, okay, fuck me, I'm such a, I'm the shill. Um, but I did buy Lords of the Fallen, and this game has been very, very interesting. Um, I would say the first day I was really, really. Um, upset with my purchase. Um, I will say, I'm just going to start off at the top by saying this game runs incredibly poorly on every platform. And that is the biggest and worst part of the game is it has huge performance issues. Now, from what I've read online, the PlayStation 5 version is the most acceptable. And I've been seeing people on PC were having an okay time too, depending on what you're running it on. Um, but they were having stuttering issues. But the Xbox version is completely botched, um, from what I understand. And the multiplayer servers hardly work. Um, in fact, the only way I was able to get my multiplayer sessions to work was by turning off crossplay. I only can play with people um, that are on my platform. You know, the net coding or something is messed up with it. So um, that being said, the game itself... Um, <sighs> A lot of people are comparing it to a From game, and I could see where that's coming from. But of the two Souls-like games that came out this year, if you want a quality From-like experience to the quality that From would be able to give it to you, I would recommend Liza P to you. And it's strange for me to say that because I'm a huge From fan, and you would think I would gravitate towards that, and I've said on the show how I've not gravitated towards Liza P. But 
I don't know, man. Something about this game just started clicking. Um, I I played it for a couple of days. I had an extra day off this weekend, and so I just played it pretty much all day. Um, and I'm really liking it. It's it's super strange. For the most authentic from experience, you should play Liza P. Um, but for the like, I guess the themes almost Lords of the Fallen. It's strange because. <sighs> I don't know, boys. This game's so weird. And if you play, you'll kind of understand what I'm saying. Um, but there's been a lot of complaints. I think a lot of them are unfounded. Um, I think that we're comparing both of these games to From games because it's impossible. They're sort of of the genre. Um, but I guess overall, I'm having a pretty good time. I don't think it makes sense that I like Lords of the Fallen more than I like Liza P. But I am definitely having more fun. So once I wrap Lords of the Fallen, I think I will go back and give Liza P another shot. Um, but it definitely has something to do with the gameplay. The parry heavy mechanic in Liza P is, is, is the type of from combat that I've always like gravitated against. That's why I wasn't a huge fan of Sekiro. And the fact that it's so prevalent and you know, to an extent required in Liza P kind of made me withdraw a little bit, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to try it, Ben. I'll let you borrow it. I don't think you're going to like it, but I just want to see what you think, of, think of it after a couple hours. I just want I've you to give it a, a go. Yeah. I've watched a little bit of it on Twitch and uh, it looks great, but I know that it's not my kind of game. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. But pretty cool overall. Um, probably wouldn't recommend it for most people. Um, it's either a kind of love it or hate it type of thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, if if you're a From fan, I really would watch and look up some stuff about it before playing this. So. As for me, uh, I've been having a really hard time this week. First world problems, I know, finding anything to play. Like, I've got so many things to play, but finding something that I was interested in playing. So I've been playing a little bit more Gotham Knights. I mentioned last week that I was really enjoying it, and I'm still enjoying it. But every time I think about, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Should I play that? And then I boot it up, and I play it for, like, half an hour, and I'm having a good time while I'm playing it, but it's just not sticking. And I think it's because I'm doing everything as it pops up. So it's just not really sticking with me. I'll probably finish it, because I think I only have, like, two more main story missions to go. Um, but it's just not, it's not clicking. And as part of that, Brandon and I, uh, Brandon hit me up and asked if I wanted to play a game and uh, we couldn't figure out anything to play. So we played Minecraft. I jumped in there. Classic. I've uh, hopped in a couple nights for, you know, half an hour to an hour at a time at most. And um, I'll always play Minecraft. It's way more fun with friends, in my opinion. But I, I, I just like Minecraft. But it's still not even quite sticking with me. And I thought, you know what? That game Baby Steps is going to be coming out. I'm, I never played Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. So I'm going to try that out. So I checked it out and uh, I rage quit that game seven or eight times. Do you hate yourself? Uh, I don't hate myself. I hate Bennett Foddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know it's like, you know, it, that's that's it's meant to be that way, right? right. It, exactly. is, it is pretty humorous. Uh, it's meant to get you upset and it's working. I mean, it's really good. I like it, but I'm like, God, I just wasted like 25 minutes of progress and I hate myself now. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably hop in and out of there uh, occasionally as we go forward. I think it was like four or five bucks. It was it was really cheap. I'm not upset about the purchase at all, but I'm I just kept saying to myself, get good uh, because I was just and it's so frustrating, even though it's funny, in, uh, but not in the moment when you like get knocked back like 300 feet 
and you lose all this progress. And it's like, he's like, Oh, that was a lot of progress you lost there. And I'm like, shut up. I know. Is like, do you not think I know 30 minutes of work in like three seconds. Speaking of losing 30 <laughs> minutes of work in three seconds. I, last night I hopped into Minecraft into our realm and you weren't there, Brandon. And I like took a boat way far away and I found this ship and I went in it and I stepped on a piece of sand or a block of sand and I didn't realize, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I was like being really careful. And all of a sudden I was just like buried under a huge mound of sand. I got out of the sand and a skeleton was standing there and shot me and I lost everything I had. So I just, I rage quit that game. I I don't rage quit, like actually get mad, but I'm just like, no, escape. Yeah, I'm done. Done. (laughs) I'm not even going back to get my shit. (laughs) It's done. So since I've been having such a hard time finding anything to play last night, I was finally like, I wonder if there's anything in this old classic that I never uninstall from my console or from my computer that I would uh, enjoy doing. So I hopped in the power wash simulator oh, and sure enough, there's some challenges in there that are either new or I just missed. I, I like have 50 hours in the game, hundred percent or well, I have the, like the top gamer score or whatever. Like I've, I've completed the game in every possible way, but there were some challenges that said they were incomplete on mine. So I hopped in, and was working on them last night. And that's probably, I mean, that's, that's one of those games where I'm just like, literally nothing else is appealing to me right now. So I hop in and play. So I'm looking forward to this weekend when uh, Spider-Man and Mario wonder and everything will be out and I'll have too much to play at that point. But this week's been a little tough, but power wash simulator. It's always got your back. It's always there for you. And that's it for me. And that's it for all of us. And that's it for the show. As I mentioned, um, we'll stick around for at least a few minutes. Hang out if anybody wants to chat. Um, But the podcast portion has concluded now. Thank you guys for joining us. Don't forget to join us over on Discord. You can hang out with us at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. We appreciate seeing you over there. Uh, Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And if you want to help support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash handsomephantom. Support us for as little as $1 for ad-free early access. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The HP Podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles. <laughs>